Hey guys, back again for another podcast. We got Sarah Petrozelli here from Keller Williams in Andover. She's Hello. just going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit today just about um, her as a real estate agent, kind of how she got started, just some basic introduction stuff. And then we're going to dive deep into a new uh, little group that she started, the Homestead Collective inside of Keller Williams, just kind of let her go over all of that stuff. So welcome, Sarah. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So, like I said, some intro stuff. Yes. I always like to start with family because it's, yep. it's very simple. Kids, yep. family. Let's well, hear it. All, my whole family kind of like revolves around real estate, so it works out. <laughs> um, I might have discussed with you before. I got started in real estate in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are both very successful agents at Lair, and they got me started just initially because we were going on a trip to Italy yeah. and I was like oh I can make a few extra bucks like for Italy like no big deal sell a house here and there and then it turns out I really loved it mm-hmm. and I'm a big real estate nerd and that's kind of just how that happened and you got really good at it I and... did <laughs> I got good at it but I have to give credit to my dad so my dad is very um, we are very different mm-hmm. agents but he is um, very particular so he anything he taught me was very anal yeah. so it, it helped me to kind of keep tabs on the big things and get really good at like negotiating he was a really good negotiator his whole life and he kind of taught me some things and um, i have a business degree so that also helps Mm -hmm. um but i have to give credit to him he taught me a lot of what i know um and i left their team in 2018 just because anyone that's on a team just like i run the homestead collective i don't anticipate people to stay with me forever i mean it's really kind of like for learning it's like you help me i help you and then you grow out of it. So I grew out of the team um, and I moved to Keller Williams. I have um, a two and a half year old son who runs my whole life. <laughs> I've taken him to showings and stuff. He's definitely getting the, to the age where I can't take him anywhere. <laughs> like if we show a house of the playroom, like forget it. We're going to end up staying there or losing it. So, but um, yeah, that's really it. I have my husband. His name's Yano. He's a character. Mm-hmm. He's cool. His family owns New Deal. If anyone's watching this, go get a sandwich at New Deal. <laughs> they don't need any more publicity. <laughs> but we'll give them more. We'll give them a little bit, a little bit. So you said you started because um, of your parents. Yeah. Your dad was a big influence on you. Um, you said they're in Lair. What location is it? Salem? Or? They are the brokers. So my stepmom, Roberta, she is a broker. I think my dad might have his broker's license, but I'm not sure. But they're a real estate team. She actually got started way before all of us. So uh-huh. Roberta got started, I think, when she was 21 gotcha. at Remax. She started working for her uncle, and then she got into sales, and then her and my dad met, they got married, and then he ended up getting into real estate as well mm-hmm. later in life. And right. that's why I always, I also do productivity coaching at Keller Williams. And anytime I meet a new client that's older and doing like a career start, I'm like, real estate is like where it's at, baby. Yeah. Like you can rebrand yourself very easily. Very simply. With social media. You know, you put yourself out there. It's very easy to kind of rebrand. That's what my dad did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had gotten started when I was in high school. And they blew up pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty it's a, quickly. It's amazing what social media will do, yeah. especially now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. What? Well, I think similar to lending, real estate in a way is kind of like you, the beauty of it is that you get what you put into it. Yep. So while at the end of the day, I, I always say that again to newer agents is kind of like, the beauty of real estate is that you work for yourself, but that's also like the curse is that right. like nobody's there to be like, hey, did you do that? Right. <laughs> did you work your nine to five Yeah, today? it's you. Did you do lead gen? Right. Or you're upset you don't have any leads? Right. <laughs> so that was something that was a big learning curve. But, right. um, yeah, so I always try to... It's funny because I, I always tell the story of my experience with that because I got relatively busy, well, busy from just starting yeah. out. So I thought yeah. I was just like 
king shit. And oh, I thought yeah. that was amazing. Oh, yeah. um, but then I didn't do any lead generation. I didn't do any prospecting. And then all of a sudden, I looked at my pipeline. I was like, and flows. oh, my God, I don't really have yeah, anything. Dude. Everyone's done but it. It's, but care. it's an important lesson to learn yeah. for even just new agents, new new brokers, new, yeah. new anyone, right? Definitely. Where you can't, you can't just sit around and you no. can't. You can't just sit there and And I get that. I think a lot of the impression is that, okay, I'm going to get my real estate license and then the all my friends are going to want to buy it. Oh, yeah. Me. But At then all time. your friends are like, this person doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Right. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I got right. someone that actually knows what they're doing. What's funny is that I actually had one of my first clients, and I really don't blame them because when I look back on like how I was performing, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was like asking my dad every other question. They ended up getting – they their parents, I think, were concerned. We're like, don't go with your friend. Like, right. go with someone who's experienced. Right. And that in in itself kind of lit a fire under me. But as far as the ebbs and flows of real estate goes, yeah, we've all been there. Right. No legion. Well, do, you, do you remember your first deal? Oh, my God. So my first, oh, my God. <laughs> I think my first deal was in Shrewsbury, Mass., but it was kind of just like, a, like again, I was on a team. And yeah. I think when you're on a team, they're kind of like, all right, we're going like, to show you how to do this, but like, you're not really going to do anything. Right, <laughs> so, right. It's your deal. Yeah, it's my deal. <laughs> I got like 50%, which I, I remember getting my first check was $2,500. And, and you, you would have yeah. thought, I was like, <laughs> $2,500? Like, what am I going to do with all this money? And now I'm like, <laughs> But um, no, so I think it was in Shrewsbury. It was a deal that I did with my stepmom, um, and I wasn't really hyper-involved with it. The first transaction I think that I did, that I, rem I shouldn't say that I did. I don't say that I remember doing either. I've just <laughs> sold, a I've sold a lot of houses. So I don't <laughs> but um, the first one I remember was my friend, shout out to Jamie and Nick. She's the best. And it was right at the start of where this started to be less neutral and more of a seller's market. Right. Like when I've got into real estate, it was already kind of heading that direction. Yep. I got a listing from my friend Jamie. Um, I relied heavily on my parents on that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Right. It was a deal in New Hampshire. It was I a listing. You just, you're just like, you're hoping that they don't catch on, that you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'm heavily relying on the people around me. But I also like to explain that, you know, the agents around you, for the most part, they, I'm sure it's like this in lending. Like, they want to see you do well. Yep. Like, there's a healthy level of competitiveness, but there's also support. That's exactly how we are. Yeah. Like, like, I would never, if a new agent came to me, I would, that's part of why I ended up getting into productivity coaching because mm -hmm. I was doing it for free anyway. So right. I was like, anytime someone asks me a question, I'm more than happy to help because I remember the feeling of like, oh my God, I right. have no idea. Right. Well, it's funny you say that about your first deal because my first application, mm -hmm. I think I touched the first page of it, which is like, where do you live? Like, yeah. what, what do you do for work? And then after that, like, every loan officer in yeah. this place touched the app and they well, were they like, okay, like, sure. you have to do this yeah. and that. And I was like, oh my God. Like, it's a I, lot. It's a lot. Like, there was a lot a more lot. than I was expecting. Yeah. But it's one of those things you do over and over yeah. and over again. Obviously, it becomes second nature for you. Yeah. But it is funny looking back on your first deal where you're like, wow, I really. Well, I think that's I why it know. takes a certain type of person to yeah. do well because if you're easily discouraged, it's like you, like I, rejection is just part of this job. It is. And like you can't, your ego has to go away. Yeah, because, it's not personal. And an it's agent, not. if they're like, hey, what, like I remember telling my dad like, oh dad, like they asked me this and I told them that. And he was like, well, that's totally wrong. So you don't have to go have that conversation again. I'm like, oh, okay, right. crap. So um, now I, I, I really just learned that as long as your ego is removed, you'll do well. But I feel as though there's very high turnover because people, I think, number one underestimate the amount of work it takes to actually yep. run your own business yep. and make money this way yep. and then secondly um more of the um 
you have to again, just you have to go out and get it, and right. it's just not gonna. Right. It's not for everybody. Right. And I don't think it's something that people realize. And I think I got lucky where I got debriefed on that. Yeah. Where you are running your own business. Yeah. Yeah. You work under Kelly Williams, but yeah. I mean, like you said, no one's telling yeah. you what to do on a daily basis. You just you oh, go yeah. into work. I remember my first day in here, like got told kind of the, the ins and outs on yeah. what I should do and yeah. how if I want to do well in two, three, four years, what to do. Yeah. But no. okay, go, go do it if you want. Yeah, like, <laughs> and there's, again, I, I was, this, the second thing um, is that there's no guidance really. Like there's no, like at another, a, norm, a regular job, you go to the office, you get trained for like six months, there's someone like babysitting you. Right. It's not like that in real estate unless you like pay for a coach or right. like are a part of a coaching program. Right. So part of what we're doing at on the leadership team at Keller Williams and Andover is trying to develop a business program. I call, I've developed a business development program. Mm-hmm. I would like to get someone, um, you know, in there that's, more on the administrative side of things, obviously, so where it's still very new. Right. But it's like kind of like a mentorship program where you can reach out to someone and have that connection with them and they're compensated for their time because obviously it's it's time consuming to right. make sure that everything is good. Right. Uh, but you're getting the expertise to back you. Right. And I feel as though when you're putting yourself out there at, for, at, for new agents, it's a nice way. So even if, you know, you're watching this and your brokerage doesn't have something like that, if you reach out to a mentor and say, hey, I'll give you 10% of this deal if you just like babysit me right. like the whole time, they'll be like, yeah, no problem. Right. Right. <laughs> and most of the time they'll do it for free. But if you're looking for consistent, like, hey, could you guide me through for my first few transactions? Don't be afraid to ask. Right. You know, we're all looking to make money and we all want to be helpful. Right. So, <laughs> exactly. And I think that guide, the lack of guidance is where you see a huge turnover. Right. There's a hard retention issue. Right. And, and I can see that, especially in real estate where yeah. it's, I think it's different in lending because it's it's a very straightforward process yeah. where it's application, submission, yep. like underwriting, all it, yeah. it's like yeah. clockwork what everything's doing. Where real estate, every buyer is so different in what they oh, need yeah. and every house is so Highly different. Situational. The offer that you're putting in is so different where again for us, yes, we get different PNSs that come in, but yeah. I get the PNS, I know how to read it, I just change the application a little bit to yep. meet it, and then I just send it yeah. off, right, versus I don't have to rewrite an entire Well, and it's or... more of like, too, like what people don't see, what we what we deal with in the background is like, you guys get this like, okay, here's the PNS and the addendums. To get to those addendums, oh, yeah. the dad came to the home inspection yeah. and hated it, yep. and then we had to like ask for like this obscene you know, credit and like had to kind of like bring everyone's emotions down. I talked to a lender recently and he was like, realtors are like the psychologists of the deal because you're just like in it. And it's a very emotionally draining job. And I try to also emphasize that when I'm teaching new agents is like, this is a, a highly emotional process. Right. And it's always changing. So if you, you on average are buying a home about four times in your lifetime, unless you're like a real estate investor, obviously. Right. Um, that process over the span of a lifetime is changes drastically. Right. Like right. that's like every time I submit an offer now, they're like, you're going to write me appraisal language in? I'm like, no. Why would I? It's <laughs> like a new like fad. Like right. this is not going to last. You're, you're, it's covered in the financing, you right. know? There, so there's certain things that like appraisals are a hot topic. Right. Not to say I wouldn't adjust the appraisal thing. It's situational. <laughs> but that is new. That when I right. got into real estate, that was not a thing. Right. And like, to when I first got into real estate to go in and initially immediately ask for $5,000 towards your closing costs was like a given. It was like, that's going in every offer. Now it's like, that's a joke, right? That's a joke. You should be paying for my closing costs. Oh yeah, and sometimes (laughs) we would add like additional language of like, 
if you know appraisal doesn't um, oh god what was the language that we used to put in there basically if the appraisal didn't appraise out then you know buyer would be able to walk away with their deposit no problem right now it's like huh, if the appraisal doesn't appraise out i'm gonna give you my first child in right. ten thousand dollars right you know, pay for your kids <laughs> if you to let go to me school. buy <laughs> so something something just please let me buy a home right and i like to also touch on like it, I don't know. What is your opinion mm-hmm. on the inflation situation, on like how things are going? Like, yeah. does anyone in the room think that this is going to last long term? Because I have a very hard time when people ask me. Right. I'm like, I don't want to tell you to keep waiting if this is just going to get worse. Right. So it's funny because the last podcast I did, we kind of ended with this. So mm-hmm. I like it's yeah. fresh in my brain. Yeah. Where. I think it is. And the only reason I think it is is because the people that are buying these houses can actually afford to buy the houses where before they couldn't. So all those inflated prices were because people were getting pre-approved for houses they can't afford. So they're like, oh, just... Yeah, six hundred thousand dollars for this yeah. five hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Sure. Yeah. And then the appraisal didn't matter because they just yep. they it, it, at that time it was like anything. Literally, they looked it up on it was like Zillow. two weeks. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> two week close. But yeah. but I think now it's people can actually afford the home, so I don't see foreclosures being a huge issue now. Granted, yeah. the whole um, government. Um, but that in there. New Hampshire ended in but July. But that ended in July. So you would think by now we would yeah. kind of start to see things and we weren't. We're and really I had a not. deal that um, that was in foreclosure and literally was like, say, this woman was saved by the skin of her teeth because of that. And we were able to sell it and she was still able to make money on her home where right. in any other market, like there's, this yeah. home, there's just no way. Right. Like there was no way. You're lucky to break even. Exactly. Like, you'd be fortunate. And she was able to walk away with a little bit of money after being in foreclosure for like two years. So. Right. I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to necessarily go anywhere. And that's right. why I have a lot of buyers that have been like, you know, I thought, I think like most people when COVID happened, I thought that that might have changed things, right. affected it to a certain degree. And instead of just like poured gasoline onto right. it, I was like, what's happening? Right. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Right what now? is going on? <laughs> I will say though, that overpriced listings still don't sell, which yeah. is a relief. Which is, yeah. Uh, even from our end, it's a relief yeah. because you don't have people even asking us like, oh, like I'm going 50 grand over. Like, yeah. can I waive this and that? It's like, I don't want to tell you whether you should waive something or not because oh, yeah. I don't want that response. Like, no. I don't want to say, yeah, waive your inspection. And there's a flood that happens oh, yeah, no. two months later. Expectations like, for me are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I've been seeing more as on the topic of the home inspections is I'm actually doing it right now. Yeah. Is I waive the home inspection. Yeah. But I have the discussion with my clients up front. Listen, we're going to have to put a low deposit up front if you want to. I just got a site unseen offer accepted. So these people didn't get to see the home. Oh, my gosh. They put the offer in. Um, the offer was accepted. And um, I wanted to put a low down payment down because if they saw the home and they didn't like it, they had to be okay with walking away with the initial deposit. Right. So, again, I think in real estate, what makes a good realtor is setting the appropriate expectation. Right. I'm telling them, like, if this is something you want to do, and it's not something I suggested. Right. They asked, how are there so many offers? Right. And it's been on for, like, 10 minutes. Right. And I'm like, it's probably a sight unseen offer. I've right. only done one other one in my whole career, and it was someone that, like, lived in the neighborhood. Um, so she said, well, let's try it. So we did it. And ended up working out, and I waived their home inspection, but we're having a home inspection today because right. the purchase and sales is on Thursday. So right. I'm like, you know, it's still not subject. You can still lose your deposit, but you can, as long as you're appropriately setting the expectation, it's unfair. Right. I'm going to throw it right out there. You shouldn't have to walk away from $1,000 because you had a home inspection. But right. I don't know any other way to see it. Like, if you're trying to get into a home, like, this family is having a baby. Right. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> like you have exactly. to get out. 
And I don't foresee, I would encourage them to wait because it, but it's like, okay, let's wait for the spring. And then it's, it's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> it's exactly. Even worse. Well, that's, uh, we're, me and my fiance are going to be buying, um, starting, thank you. Next, so April, next April, May kind of will be in yeah. the market. And she's asked me the same thing. She's like, do you think it's going to be any better? I'm like, I wouldn't no. get your hopes up. <laughs> like, I think if you're flexible, I think a lot of people, and I understand why, especially if you have kids, like your kids are in school, you don't want to move school districts. It's just tough. Yeah. Like you, you want to be as flexible as you can be. If you're looking in one town or two towns, it just makes it very difficult. Right. Um, but I totally get, right. I get why people do that. Cause you know, I got a kid, you know? My, I'm like on a mission to move before he hits first grade because wherever we land is where we're is staying. Where saying, right. But I'm like, oh God, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> it's crazy too. Like even my own house, I live in like, it's just a very regular small home and it's like obscenely priced. I'm right. like, I would never buy this I would house never buy this much. Exactly. Exactly. I'll sell it <laughs> yeah, for this much. I'll sell it. <laughs> well, I'll sell it. Right. I would never buy it for right. this much. Right. So in transitioning into kind of what, what separates you as a real estate agent versus everyone else? And I like to ask that question because I think it makes you kind of oh think. God, yeah, I think it, I think it makes you kind of think a little bit because I think everyone always says, oh, I can sell your house for the most amount. Oh, like, no. I can always do this. It's like, well, yeah. Well, like, I can, but but like, that's yeah, not but my, that, that's everyone's pitch. It's like that's lending. That's not my value proposition. It's like lending. Like, oh, we have the lowest rates. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that one. Before. Yeah. Like, what else do you do? Like, what? So, I'm gonna think about it for a yeah. second. Okay. So, I would say, I stress the relationship with my client yep. overall, overall things. Right. Um, whether that relationship means that it turns out that we're not a good fit to work together, I'm okay with that. Right. I'm okay. I'm not gonna force you to work with me. Right. Like that's crazy. Um, that doesn't ever really happen. But I would say my relationship over anything. I've talked more clients more out of buying something than I've talked them into buying Just something. A vet that I think that's unbelievably unique because really? I don't I don't see it often. Really? I, I'll I'll hear realtor conversations where they're like just just buy it or like oh, just no. go through with it. It's like no. and I know on my end I can't do much about it. But I have I'm a like, very deep not... conversation at the showing. My you know strategy is always if I want your repeat business, I'm all about the marathon. I don't right. know if anyone here listens to Nipsey Hustle. I know it's kind of but <laughs> it's the marathon. Okay, like. <laughs> I'm not here to like make money real fast because right. I want generational wealth for my family. Right. So that is going to be have a lot to do with my relationships with people. If I'm right. walking around selling people houses that fall down the next day or, or decisions that they don't really want, it's just not a good look for me. It's not. And it's like they might not outwardly say, "Oh, my agent talked me into this," but if if someone if someone ever felt that way about me, I would probably cry. Like right. I've told <laughs> the people that are having their home inspection today, like. I always, it's so graphic, but I'm like, if you want me to cut the deal's head off, just say just when. Tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you what's going to happen. Like, you might lose some money, but if you want to, like, cut, right, end can. this, we can end it. I've done that two days before closing. Right. I've said, if this is too much for you, let me know. Because, again, the relationship, I think, is how long-term agents, um, they build right. their big business. I don't know if any of you have heard of Jen Hamilton Bauer. She's an agent at my office. She's also in a generational real estate family. Same with the Fisichellis. And I think they have the same kind of attitude, attitude of like, there. this is like a relationship game. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anyone says about like, okay, you could sell like 20 houses and I don't know. I don't know how people do that. I, just, I don't know. I don't I'm understand. very much relationship based. <laughs> right. Like I will also have a conversation in this market specifically if someone's buying like a starter home and, um, they say, oh, I want to only stay here for two or three years. I'm like, then don't buy this house. Right. Because if you're only going to stay here for two or three years and you come to me and you say, Sarah, can you sell my house for me? I want to go buy my next house. I just had a baby or twins or something. I'm going to have to say to you, I don't know if you're going to make your money back. Right. And it obviously depends on their deposit situation. It's, again, very situational. But 
I have no, I almost every showing I go to have that conversation. Right. How long do you see yourself staying here? If it's over 12 years, great, let's do it. If it's not, mm, let's go find something else right. or wait till you have more money to put down right. or something because, and again, I also like to strategize. I like to target. Like I get see it as a win if the price goes down, right. <laughs> which I think people think I'm crazy. But over the summer, I had a deal where I like to target overpriced listings. I like to kind of go in there because I know if it's overpriced, if you know, I'm doing my job correctly, I'm looking at the, the, comps, at the comps before right. I put right. an offer in on something, especially if they're voicing like, hey, this seems a little overpriced. So over the summer, I sold a home um, and I knew that it wasn't going to appraise out. I knew it, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was uh, grossly overpriced. And the as, and this is where I set the expectation. I had a conversation with my clients and listen, this is what I would propose doing. It, there's a chance that we're going to get to the appraisal and this deal's going to fall apart. Right. If you're cool with that, well, let's roll, baby. Right. Because my strategy was let's give them an asking offer. We did. She immediately started entertaining me. So to me. I know. Okay, we're we're up there. Right. Which at, at asking in this market is a problem. Is a problem. <laughs> which is exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. And so she asked if I would add appraisal language. I said if I add any appraisal language, it's going to be that my client backs out if it doesn't appraise out. So right. I can add that if you want. She said no, no, that's fine. We went we went on with the deal and it ended up appraising forty thousand dollars lower. Right. And we got it knocked down. My client was a nice woman and she did give them an extra you know couple you know G's, but. She was able to get a $35,000 price reduction. Right. And to me, I was like stoked. Right. But then I like think after, I'm like, that means I get paid less. But I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> but, it's like so exciting. But, but you still got the deal. So I still got like, the deal. And it was right. so exciting. And I've gotten so many referrals from people just because I think that integrity means a lot to me. My morals mean a lot to me. Right. I couldn't, I don't, I have seen what you're talking about yeah. in that. And I do. It's... And when I teach new agents, so hopefully I can spread the vibes right. I want to make sure that they're relationship based right. and, and I think it's really crucial that you set the expectations because yeah. I feel like we do that a lot you have to we, and you have to and, it, and it, especially if something's tight on qualification oh, yeah like if if someone's right up against it on their pre-approval and they mm. go to the max on the pre-approval, mm. you have to have that conversation of look, you as it stands can qualify for this house, but if anything happens is I higher, know. if your home insurance <laughs> is higher than I thought it would be, this could be an issue. Like, yeah, like it's it's that close. And as long as you set that up front, and if it happens, you're like, look, we went into this knowing that this could happen. Oh, yeah. Please I'm a big I told you so like, person. Yeah, I don't like, want to be. Don't hate I am. me. <laughs> Very much like I don't. I will always be like I don't. You can never say I didn't tell you. Right. Because I will kind of share. And again, it's taken you know me eight years into this to find a finesse that's like not going to scare people. Right. But uh, apply enough pressure to where they understand what they're getting into. Right. You know, like I want you to have a full understanding, especially buyers of this market that have to be more strategic. I do the same thing with the sellers. I still have conversations at every listing appointment about when we're going to do price reductions. Right. And people think I'm nuts because they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, this is, again, me give, do, giving my best effort, which right. is A1, but, <laughs> but giving my best effort to let you know what the value of your home is. If we put it on the market and the market does not agree, I'm doing a disservice to you and not doing my job to the right. full extent to talk about the what ifs. Right. Are you? I'm gonna. I'd like to put it out there up front. I'm gonna suggest a reduction after you know ten days if we don't see the interest that I think we should have. Right. Beca- and I learned this because I lost a listing because I overpriced because it didn't and that. I didn't set the expectation. Right. So I like to teach new agents expectation is key. And right. I think any like if you're trying to become an expert at your craft and you're doing the training like it's kind of everywhere. Right. You know. I obviously I, I met Keller Williams and. Gary Keller, 
But Gary Keller is like an industry-wide genius. Like the millionaire real estate agent, my parents wanted me to read that like when I got my real estate license and I mm. wasn't at Keller Williams. <laughs> and that's what I try to tell all the people I coach. I'm like, I'm not sipping, I am sipping the Keller Williams Kool-Aid, but I'm not, like this is an industry thing, like right. everyone does. <laughs> right. So, and this big on expectations in that book, it's very relationship-based as well. Right, would you say, like you said, it's a long-term game. Oh yeah. And if you want to actually build a business out of this, mm -hmm. you have to think about the long-term game. You can't just think about, okay, how do I get this deal and then move on? Oh yeah. Right? You have to be thinking about years down the yeah, line. Yeah, when are they it's, gonna come have me sell this house again? Exactly, yeah. and, and you wanna make sure you leave that positive impression. And again, we're the same thing, right? If, yeah. they, if they're buying a house, and I know they're first time home buyers, I know they're probably gonna be buying again, or mm -hmm. I know that they're, they're gonna have people that they know are gonna be buying, oh, yeah. so why would you not think long-term instead of just pushing them to just do what yeah. you want them to do, which is just a horrible business model. No, no. But at least if, if they leave the transaction, like, wow, like Matt or Sarah was really helpful. They set good expectations. Yeah. And yes, we didn't need half the expectations that they set, but, but you at had least, an but, but we had an understanding of what could happen. Like yeah. I would recommend them to anybody. I don't want them the first time they're hearing something bad to come out of nowhere. You right. know what I mean? I, I like to be like, hey, remember when we talked about that? Right. Well, it's happening. Well, it's hap <laughs> well now it's happening. <laughs> well, it's happening. And this is how we're gonna fix it. Right. Because I like to come solution-based, you know? Right. I don't know if anyone here has gone to therapy, but I'm very open about the fact that I go to therapy. And they always say, come with solutions. Right. So I use that in my job as well. You have to come with solutions. If you're, and sometimes that solution is not buying the house. Right. As terrible as that as, sounds. As it sounds, right. But it's the truth. Obviously, I've been in scenarios where, you know, somebody is in the middle of selling and buying. And yeah. when that gets very stressful. Right. And I've had like a two transactions. Oh, I've had transactions three, fall apart transactions. with a U-Haul packed like three days out from closing, right. lease canceled. Like I've <laughs> seen some things, some things. <laughs> <laughs> where like you're having to really like, oh my God, this is happening. Right. And obviously I think that um, there's a certain level of hiccups that's to be expected yeah. in a transaction. And that's another reason why I like to set the expectation because I've had clients where if I'm like asking for, hey, um, can I get the financials on your condo association? Because the lender needs it. Yeah. And they'll be like, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> like, oh, girl, this is not this an is emergency. Not, right, <laughs> like, right. I can't stress enough that this is very normal. Right. But they have no idea. And right. you can't expect them to have an idea. Right. You know, it's like, how, why would they? They've right. never done this. They've never done it day. before. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So exactly. that's kind of where I go with it. All righty. Homestead Collective. What is it? T tell us about it. Yeah. So the Homestead Collective has been like kind of like a dream of mine that I'm just getting started on. Um, it's a real estate team. I've just mm -hmm. added George Tatoski. He's my buyer's agent. Awesome. Um, I have just hired an assistant, Charles. He's doing all of my marketing. Um, I would like to add another EA for like more of like the administrative stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but as of right now, Charles is kind of like the one man army. He's awesome. doing everything. Um, my goal is to really just be a full service agent. Like, and I think that in order, obviously everyone talks about Zillow, yeah. in order to compete with these places like Zillow and Realtor and to, in my opinion, like, you know, we get you have to advocate for your value yeah. um, because realtors are very easily discredited. Yeah. So when I show up to the table, I want them to know like, this is what I'm bringing. And it's not like it's worth the money because I'm gonna take right. care of the entire process end to end for you. Right. And when people come to me, I want them to feel comfortable in knowing that I'm gonna be heavily involved in the transaction and that they're gonna, I, my end goal would be to have multiple business un, businesses within the Homestead Collective. Right. I'd like to have moving services. I would like to have cleaning services. Right. I would so like you're to like have a, landscaping you're services. You're a one-stop shop. That you're is just, what I, that's my goal. Which um, is awesome. Yes, so within then, we obviously have plans in the work for that. Right. Um, but it's, it's 
stressful. Which, but I think that's, <laughs> I think it's very innovative because I think a lot of real estate agents have the people that they network with and like, yeah. oh, I know a guy that does this yeah. or I know a girl that does and that. And to start, that's what we're doing. But at the end of the day, I would like to have, pull it all in house. I think that, right. you know, that's something that is going to add value, especially if, you know, I can provide it at a discounted service to my clients. Right. And then right. at the other end of the table, like have a whole full functioning business. If you need moving services and you've purchased with somebody else, we're still available. Right. Or if you need cleaning services or whatever, because it also comes from my experience of like, I've walked into situations where it's like, okay, I need a cleaner and I can't find a cleaner. Right. And it's like, for me, I'm like, well, now I need a, I need, I need, a, I need to bring a cleaner onto the homestead collective right. that could right. be available for me. Or like a landscaper, like, oh my God, I wish I could just have someone come and swoop this in. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to do that and then give <clears throat> credit to your seller. So like if, for instance, I've been in situations where I would love it if they could do something because it would add, the, it would make their property more marketable. Right looking for their best interest and if they wanted to do it but couldn't afford it i could set something up to where we do the work up front and then that we can get paid on the back end from the proceeds so that's my big picture idea um i think that there's a lot more people doing it than people think yeah um i know that and i think that it is truly the only way that we are going to have to i think anyone that doesn't step up to the plate and make their things full service is going to get crushed in the long term because Zillow's not going anywhere. Realtor's not going anywhere. Redfin's no, not going anywhere. They aren't. But you get what you pay for. Right. Right. <laughs> you get what you pay for. I. I mean, I don't want to start talking. No, smack I won't. About I, would people. I would never. I would do never do that. But whenever I see those commercials come on at night, Michelle, fia- my fiance, I'm always like, I'm like fuming. Like yeah. this is a straight up lie. It's not. It's never one percent. It's never one percent. It's never one percent. And she's like, okay. I'm like, look. And again, I also like like as far as the lending goes, like um. Big banks. Yep. I'm not going to name them specifically, but I always try to, and again, it's not my job to tell my clients who to go through. Right. I, again, as part of the Homestead Collective, would love in time to like, like I do business with you. I do business with Donna Weinberg and Mm -hmm. Bayoguity and a couple of other um, lenders, but I want to be able to just build deep, strong relationships with people because ultimately it's going to benefit them and it's going to make my job easier. Right. And I try to always stress to them when they come to me with like a pre-approval from a big bank. Like, you can absolutely go with them, for sure. I'm not telling you not to. Right. But I just want to share some of my experiences. Right. (laughs) Of when I've worked with them and what has happened and how the timeline kind of goes out the window. You have people doing underwriting in, like, South Carolina or, like, somewhere that they have no idea what the rules are. They're processing, like, 800 loans, and it's just not – and they close. Right. Fine. Right. Which I mean, not, I'm like, how? (laughs) How? Like, when are we going to get anything done? And so I try to let them, you know – I, I, they can make their choice. Right. I also want to build out the Homestead Collective to not only have things in-house, but build out deep, trusting relationships so right. that people know, like, okay, if I'm reputable and Sarah's giving me Matt, then Matt's reputable. Right, right. And, it, and that goes back to the relationship. If they trust you mm-hmm. and you have given them the reason to yeah. trust you, anyone that you throw their way, whether it's lending or landscaping yeah. or cleaning, yeah. They're going to get they're going they're they're going to give them the business. And yeah, and you I also like love negative feedback. I mean, I don't love hearing it. It sucks. It sucks hearing it's it. It's something that I ask for. Right. Um, I try to every time if given the opportunity like at the closing table or after the fact when I ask for a review, I'm also asking I also don't want them to write a negative review, but it's also like it's invaluable. I did the Brian Buffini training and that was part of that's kind of really where my career shifted. Yeah. Where I didn't know how to take it 
because my parents are old school agents. You know, they're just like referral based. They're very old school, like, yeah. and they kill it that right. way. They kill it. My dad's also like a natural networker. Like, I don't think he recognizes that. Like, he's just like naturally that way. Um, but as far as me trying to kind of build out my own business, ugh, I get lost. You know, I just got lost. I just lost my thought. This happens <laughs> to me when I teach classes too. Please, I'm so sorry. I have ADHD. <laughs> but basically. Real estate's a beast. Yeah. Real estate's a beast. Yeah, I could is. talk about it for like hours. I, I feel that, especially yeah. on the lending side. Yeah. There's just so much to dive into. Yeah. Uh, but I'll end with two two questions yes. that I have decided on the fly that I'm going to start asking yeah. everybody that yeah. comes in. Um, for Well, for a real estate agent yeah. anyway. What is your like craziest transaction? Whether it's things oh going God. wrong or whether it's like the perfect, you didn't imagine this thing was going to be perfect and then nothing happened. Like what, what's the craziest transaction you've been a part of? The Oh my God. Okay. So the craziest transaction I've been a part of was some, okay. So my clients weren't able to move out prior to closing. Mm -hmm. We tried. They weren't ready. This happens. It's okay. Yeah. Things get overwhelmingly stressful. Right. I got a message that they needed my help. I went there, and this is a situation where I would never, I'd never been in before. Um, and I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, if you don't move out, right? I was like, like, what happens? So I, again, I also stress the relationship with your co broke. Like, if I'm working with another agent, ultimately, we absolutely have our client's best interest in mind. And when push comes to shove, that's who I'm. That's who I'm riding with. Right. I'm riding with who my client is. Right. But they also are an experienced agent that has the same goal as me. We want this to close. Right. We want this seller and buyer to be happy, and mm -hmm. we want to get paid. So, like, let's do this. Right. I called her. Her name, um, Debbie Cruzel. She's an excellent agent. Yeah. Um, I think she's at Keller Williams in Salem. I called her, and I said, hi, Debbie. This is what's happening. What do I – I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I'm at a loss. I'm not really sure what to do. She said, don't worry. This has happened to me before. <clears throat> and we did a holdback agreement, but our clients, again, this is a highly emotional job. And yeah. sometimes your clients are just, if you, I mean, I don't blame them. Like you're in the middle of moving. Right. This is the day you're moving. Right. The deal might fall apart. You know, it's it's just, it's high stress. Right. Um, and we're trying to come to terms and sometimes your clients get come to the point of being so unreasonable that you have to just work with the other agents. Right. Like, All right. How are we going to do this? How are we going to figure this it's out? It's going to fall apart. How are we going to do this? And I um, ended up, um, taking Debbie and I each took a thousand dollars of our commission and put it up for a holdback agreement because right. our clients wouldn't budge. Wouldn't they budge wouldn't give any money. Right. So we wanted to do a holdback agreement. That way my clients would have to the end of the night to move out. I went there. I moved out with them. Right. My husband has New Deal. I hired some of the guys from New Deal after right. New Deal closed <laughs> to come help me move everything out for them. And we closed. Right. And everything was happily ever after. So that's a good story of why it's important to have two agents that work together. Yes. And not very just much so. representing one Again, side. Again, ego. Yeah, ego is everything. Like You side. have to just get rid of it. Right. And I really think that's true in any business. Um, oh, that's where I got lost. The negative feedback. Let's I'm so it. sorry. No, let's hear it. So the negative feedback is... I think crucial because yeah. I learned in the Brian Buffini training, if you don't have the guts to ask them what you're doing wrong, you're going to do it again. Yeah. And if it's irritating them, it's going to irritate more clients. So it's like, how can you grow if you're not getting uncomfortable? Right. And I always stress that too. Like real estate has this like way of just making you uncomfortable all the time. Yep. And it's just like, get used to living in that space because it forces growth. Mm -hmm. And I've asked clients, you know, if my little line that I shoot out at them is I really appreciate your business. And if there's any ways you think I need improvement, please, I, I, I would love the critique right i need it um if if it's something that you don't like or something maybe i could have explained something better right. you didn't understand the process fully like anything please let me know anything 
And then 99% of the time, that's nothing. Right. I can't even really think of one that actually gave me a real... Most of the time, I know. Like, there's something that I've done that it's like, man, I wish I like... That's part of why, again, I started the Homestead Collective kind of rapidly was because I needed help. It was like, okay, I'm getting to the point now where this is unsustainable and I'm not giving the best service to my clients that Mm -hmm. I could. So I need people. Like, Mm -hmm. I need... At this point, I need... If you're going back to millionaire real estate agent, I need leverage right. at that point where I need leverage. Right. So and that happens to us a lot too when you yeah. start reaching a certain volume number. It's hard. And it's like okay, like I can't treat Mm-mm. each person the way I want to treat them. Right. I can't yeah. give each person the time that they need for their transaction. Yep. I need to hire somebody to yeah. to help me with this. And a lot of it is like, like, like petting. Like a lot of it is like I don't really have an update for them, but they need someone to right. reach out to them. Just, just like, to hey, be like, hey, are you okay? good? You're right. good. Everything's fine here. Are you good? Like, what's going on? Right. Especially because I also find that you kind of have to read the relationship. I always say sometimes people are, you know, financially ready to buy or sell, but they're not emotionally ready to buy or sell. Right. You have to be able to pick up on that. That's a second crazy transaction. I had a deal that went, you know, they were so excited about it. It was boyfriend girlfriend, super happy, and I picked up on some weird tension yeah. but you know you want to stay in your lane right. <laughs> we get to home inspection and it was just like well what if we break up like what if this happens like what if we break up well, how am i going to get out of this and i'm like listen this is not the now time. Yeah. well now i'm like now's the time if you want to get out of this like now's the time <laughs> they said oh no okay we're good it's fine we got to the home inspection and it ended up she just blew the deal up because she was like you know well, it just I'm I feel like done. it just hits home at that point where it's yeah. like, what if something does happen? Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely scary. And I'm never mad at somebody for like, and I think that too, I also, for new agents, like I think that I've seen it and very rarely, I mean, maybe it happens more frequently than I think, but if a deal falls apart, they get like irritated with their client. Yeah. And I understand the frustration of working and then not getting paid. But however, it's like you signed up for this job. Right. And no, one, no one forced you to do it this. It is what it is. Like, it, it is what it is. And you're way more likely to get business from that person if you let them know, like, it's total. This is a huge decision. This is not buying a car that you can go trade in. This right. is not buying, like, you know, a nice you don't bag. Have 30, you don't have 30 days to be like, oh, I don't want it exactly. anymore. Like, like, so, like, if you it. have any reservations whatsoever, I want to know them. And I'd rather get it, get you out of it, and then buy you something great when you're actually ready. When you're ready, right. And sometimes, like, for that, that deal that fell apart, I think she felt so weird. I've never heard from her again. Right. I've never heard from her again. And it's, I still checked in on her. I, I like was like, I felt for her. I totally get it. I totally get it. But sometimes that's why it's so important to stress, you know, that you're valuing the relationship over Mm -hmm. the deal. Over the deal. Because I think that sometimes people get bruised egos. Right. Right. (laughs) And then the last question would be a new, if a new agent comes into you, Mm -hmm. and this is kind of broad question, but a new agent comes into you and says, Sarah, I'm trying to market myself or I'm trying to like really get my name out there. What should I do? Be charitable. Like it. I think that I it's, really like that. I love to be charitable and I think that it's like something that if I I I'm going to say it with camera I'm going to be a millionaire because I am <laughs> and I really just want to make money to give it away. Right. And I think that if you're putting yourself out there and it not don't do it if you're not genuine about it. There's other ways you can get involved with your but it is charitable to get involved with like if you love sports, get involved with your local right. sports group. Do what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm already outside of real estate and it will show like we're putting on the miracle network um we're going to do a benefit for the miracle network called a night for miracles in methuen at the methuen city music hall right with um attorney popolo and um an accountant's office mill city counting in lowell and it's really just because we genuinely like to give back right. around Christmas time. Like I'm a Christmas freak, I love Christmas. And <laughs> well, I it's, figured so. If you're so generous, honest, like if you're like if if you value that, yeah. and you value giving, 
usually these holiday times are like oh yeah you're having i love it's it like dude. you get I to give it. i don't even want anything for christmas right. like, let me just buy presents <laughs> <laughs> but i really think that if you're genuine and authentic in your being charitable with you it doesn't always need to be with your money it right be with your time time you know spend time doing things that you really like and putting yourself out there also don't be a secret agent i yeah. think that people get like like i cannot stress enough how amazing is what you're doing because i know you're new and getting into this and part of why i he sent me a package with wine, which was great. <laughs> but um, I had a call with you because I was like, man, this guy's really putting himself out there. And it's hard to do right. when you're new and you have people being like, I say it in all my classes, people will look at you like, oh, like it's like multi-level marketing. And I'm like, girl, no, it's not. It's, it's not. not the same. <laughs> right. But they will treat you the same. Right. Like, oh, you're really putting yourself out there. And it's like, yeah, because you don't understand that my job helps people. Right. And right. I want to help as many people as I can. And if I, I'm not shy to say, like, this is how I put food on the table. This right. is how I pay for my kid's school. This is how I pay for my kid's soccer. So if you like seeing pictures of my kid doing things, feel free to feel look free. at my real estate <laughs> stuff, too. <laughs> but but I, and I think it is important to note, like, putting yourself out there. And it's not just, like, sitting around no. and sitting in the corner and being like, oh, everyone so, I know is going to come to me. Because they won't. Because they won't, like no. we talked about before. They and I won't. learned that where, I mean, I'm only 24. Four, so I'm yeah. like, oh, everyone's coming out of school that I graduated with is going to buy a house. Like I was the same age though how- when I got my real estate license. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's, yeah. Uh, that's I was the same, and it's definitely I, you don't. It, it's it's harder to go out and get right. business, and it's hard to put yourself out there. So right. I commend you for doing it. But it, like you said, it makes you grow, definitely. and it's and it's definitely I've gotten out of my comfort zone a lot. Mm-hmm. I consider myself an introvert, so for me uh, to actually put myself out there is yeah. really difficult. Yeah, but once you just start doing it and yeah. just you, the. Re- the rejection's not personal. No. It literally, they That's don't you know you. To, like, yeah, they don't. They, they and, like, don't remove your ego because ultimately, like, wh- if you feel bad about the rejection, like, why? Right. So, take a second to think, why? Why? Why do you feel bad? <laughs> right. It's okay. They said no. Move it along Move to the next along. thing. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely big on removing your ego. Right. And, um, yeah, new agents just got to put your thick skin on in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- well, this was awesome. I'm yeah, so happy. We, I'm so happy we got you to come in. Yeah. Again, Sarah Petrozelli, Keller Williams in Andover, starting the Homestead Collective. We'll put her information below. That way you don't have to try to remember it when you yeah. watch this. Um, anything else that you, you want to say before? No. Go be charitable. It's yes. Christmas time. Be charitable. Well, to me, it's Christmas time. Thanksgiving is just pre-Christmas. <laughs> 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 well, this was awesome. I, I appreciate it, and yeah. I, I look forward to Yeah, to thank doing you so much for there. having me. I appreciate it. This is wonderful. Awesome. Thanks.